Peace out. <laughs> peace out. Is that what Dredd says? Yeah, that's what Dredd says at the end of the peace out. Citizens, greetings, and welcome to Drock, our monthly podcast wherein we read through Judge Dredd, the complete case files, every month. This month, we are on volume 25, and by we, I mean myself, Jeff Lester, and my delightful and effervescent co-host, Graham McMillan. Hi, everyone. Yes, how effervescent was that? Coming that, to that was understated and effervescent. It was. Can you be understated and effervescent? I guess I I like to think so because otherwise <laughs> you're like otherwise, otherwise my appeal I'm, I'm is screwed. shot. <laughs> yeah, otherwise I'm in trouble. <laughs> and we are coming to you live from Paul Giamatti Block to talk about <laughs> this delightful uh, box of delights. Which shows you the sort of high caliber criticism you can expect, at least from yours truly, in tonight's uh, discussion. I'm looking forward to this. We are doing, like Jeff said, Complete Case Files Volume 25. It's material from 1996 and 1997. It is only four stories from the magazine. It's uh, Magazine volume, volume 3, Issues 16 through 18. But it's a chunk of 2080. 2080 progs 984 through 1028. Oof. So... That's a lot. And, and you know, it is it is very heavy 2080, but in a way that I think works to the book's benefit. I mean, Jeff, I don't know if it's just me, but even Wagner at his worst, and I think there's some sloppy Wagner in the 2080 material, is better than the magazine stuff. I, I oh. said last episode that the magazine stuff includes, I think, the worst magazine story that we've seen yet. And I, I, I stand by that now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one breath written yes. drawn by Mark Moore is is just a disaster. It's just yeah. really, really bad. Yeah. Um it's it, can we can we sort of do the magazine stuff really quickly? Yeah, I think that seems that seems Because there are only four stories, yeah. like I said, and uh the, Two of them, two of the four are uh, drawn by Mark Wigmore. One of them's written by Mark Wigmore as well. That's right. Um and it feels like the very definition of style over substance, except you could make an argument it's not the most stylish either. <laughs> you know, it, it is kind of actually funny uh, that Wigmore uh, story, One Breath, starts off and you're like, that first page I was like, ugh, oof. I was, I, like you said, it's all style over substance. And then by page two or three, I'm like, oh, holy shit, this is, like, it's kind of, it, you just... You watch that edifice crumble as it goes on, and by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, "Oh, you know." Yeah, there's nothing here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that—that's kind of the shock of that story. There, there is. It is so vapid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's honestly the the magazine material is rough and bad, but but yeah, Mark Wigmore's one breath is. Very of, um, it's very of a time and place, and I want to say that time and place is is right after Frank Miller started doing Sin City, and and that place is probably Image Comics, and it just at best, it it just was. I, really? 
Sub, once, nah, I once, think it's substandard work, frankly. It, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I would 100% agree substandard work. But the reason I'm saying really is it feels very much like uh, like the early 90s to me somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I yeah. can't, couldn't explain why, mm-hmm. but it feels very early 90s to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, not even early 90s comics, mm-hmm. but just early 90s pop culture in general there's something about the the style of artwork the style of visuals and and the fact that again there's nothing there yeah. there's nothing underneath it feels sort of aggressively i don't know like you say you know, aggressively early 90s and i'm like, but, but like i think like yeah 93 but again not comics not image comics, because if you say like image comics '93, I'm like, so Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, like you know, a lot of, lines. and that's that's not what it looks like visually. No, 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 no. I, I guess what I mean is, uh, for me, '93 image, you get a lot of creators coming out of that that are, um, to to put it mildly, imitative wanting realizing that stories of substance are important and not knowing how to tell those stories like honestly i was thinking that that um you know jim lee started doing was it death blow or something after do after seeing yes. miller yes. city and, that, that was amazing yeah yeah and so so sin city really did light the fires on a lot of people although in a lot of ways it really gave them the um the permission to go crazy with color and maybe not worry so much about being deeply relevant. And this sort of seems somewhere in between, but honestly, again, my thing is, is like, I feel like either a, I'm missing the uh, early nineties reference that you're pointing to that are not comics or B you've completely misunderstood uh, the timeline of I... Brian Wood's career. Cause honestly, <laughs> Oh my God, actually that's, that's a horrifically, good comparison mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh unfortunately so yeah um no it's it, i i want it like and this is the strangest thing and people can can tell me i'm, I'm insane to, to culturally get the relevance i'm thinking about the sort of quasi rave like baggy culture of the the late 80s and early 90s in the uk mm-hmm. and the imagery associated with that so i'm talking mm-hmm. about things like um, like Happy Mondays and Spiral Carpets, Stone Roses, but also, you know, the television, like The Word and things like that. There's something about the the imagery of those things, the aesthetic of those things. And again, people can tell me I'm insane because mm-hmm. uh, I maybe I may be like making a, an inference or a connection that isn't actually there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, well, no, but I do have to say that I mean to 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 to, to take your statement and twist it via my American ignorance, I would have to say that if there is one Judge Dredd story that I would mistake for Duran Duran video, it would be, it would be uh, whatever it is, One Breath or uh, by... It's it's just so bad. Yeah, it is. You're kind of actually surprised that you don't see, like, a rose drop in slow motion and then shatter into porcelain when when it hits the ground, so... It's kind of what that last page is, frankly. So yeah, it's uh, oof, ugh. but you know, to to jump to jump and talk about the rest of the subpar material from the magazine, it's actually followed up by a story 
um, that I could not believe was by Wagner, Le- Lethal Weapon by John Wagner, uh, art by Jason Burchill, and letters by Tom Frame, someone somewhere dropped the ball because it is a story being told um, with multiple first-person narration in captions with absolutely nothing done to distinguish yeah. The yeah. Captions. Who? Who? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's. It's. Again. It's another mess. I feel, and I might be wrong, that the artist is the one who dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there could be a way to to tell, you know, to basically focus the the narrator mm-hmm. through the visuals. Yeah. Uh, because it's it again is is very difficult to yeah. to understand. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But even, but still, despite that, it's still better than like One Breath or or, or honestly the other magazine stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jason Brazil is also very much of the sort of sub Bisley. Yeah. This era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and honestly, I think that his stuff um, is good looking. In a boy, I bet this guy got some work from Penthouse Comics kind of way. But but the. I also agree that although the captioning is what really pushes it into mega disaster, his visual storytelling is punky. Like he makes, there's a lot of it's bad. Punky. It's, a, it's punky a compliment or an insult? It, oh, sorry, it is an insult. It's, it's Yeah, it's, it, the visual storytelling of the story is really confusing. Yeah. There's, there's parts where, again, the art, if the art was clearer, this yes. story would be infinitely easier to read. Absolutely. It would be infinitely easier and better. But at one point, I was like, wait, is this story like being told backwards in time? And then I was like, oh, no, wait, this is that's that was him rampaging on the street, not the club, but the way they frame it. And OK, like re- just really bad choice on top of bad choice uh and the guy was drawing to his limitations there's some there's some weak art in the 2000 ad section that hampers things that we'll get to but these were you know that next follow followed with that is a the another story drawn by mark wigmore a little bit better but still still so underwhelming um and doesn't really end as much as stop that is uh the wounded which is the script is by paul neal and the artist by mark wigmore really the only story that that is from from the magazine that i think is competent and counts as a story is control script by uh robbie morrison and art by paul pert um and what did you think of what did you think of it Control is uh, well for one thing. The art I think for that is terrible. Yeah, the art is, and, awful. and I I, I think is is yeah. yeah, it really goes against the story being written. Yeah, I, I feel it drastically undercuts the tension that that Morrison's going for. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting story. I don't think it feels wrong for Dread, for one of a better way of putting it. Yeah, weird. Huh? The idea, yeah. the idea that well, first of all, the idea that Dread is going to be the person in control giving you know basically doing radio backup for other judges yeah. feels out of character mm-hmm. in in and of itself but if your idea to then take that is that dread will learn something about how inhuman the streets are right that just like 
what? Why? Yeah, like, no, right. I, I didn't know that already? Yeah, yeah. No, and I think, I think, how do I put it? There's, it's, it's a, it's a very ambitious story from someone who, who really, on the one hand, clearly, hmm, it's, it's one of those stories that technically, yet any writer who knows Dread is kind of like, oh, here's like, kind of like, what are, what are good stories that are going to catch people's eye? You put the main character in a situation that they haven't been before. You put them in a situation and you, you sort of deal with stuff that's sort of been touched upon in the mythos a little bit. And so the idea of the idea of dread working control is like one of those ideas that honestly you could see Wagner doing, you know, like, and it's not, it's not an inherently bad idea. It's just also a variety of other things that, you know, like, like you said, the idea that dread that the the idea that dread is going to learn something like, oh, these streets are so much worse, and kind of like the idea that it's overwhelming is a little. It's a it's a little out of character for dread. It's a little bit of the oh yeah, we got to show this guy losing, like you know, and you know, the idea of having a story in which dread loses, but it isn't the normal way that dread loses. Uh, should work, but it also kind of... One of the reasons for that is Dread is passive in a way that does not feel true to the character. Right. Right? Like, it, that, it doesn't... As, as someone who has been reading lots of Dread, as someone who has been reading at this point, all of Dread up to this point, mm-hmm. you just don't believe that Dread is going through what he's going through in that story. Yeah. Like, Dread, Dread would have left... <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's it. He probably would have. He probably would have walked off and gone and done the thing himself. And that's kind of what you half expect at a point where he's being confronted. I, I think there is something that is a germ to the idea that is touched upon in the first half of the pit. That is touched upon in the uh, uh, John Smith story in this vol in this volume, which is. That and and even other writers such as Ennis, I think, have touched on it. Um, the idea that Dread needs to be on the streets, he needs to be active. Like the the idea that 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 control is overwhelming for him. And again, this is part of the very clever conceit: is is that Dread doesn't have control as control. Like they show him like walking other judges through. St- dire situations which seems very clever or him like doing like above and the beyond levels of dispatch in terms of of walking people through various crises but ultimately what ends up getting him is the fact that someone's going to get away and that's that is literally what dread dread can't uh, yeah dread can't do that dread, yeah. he, he can't process that yeah and so, so there is a little bit, like you said, it's, it's not the out of character stuff that we've seen from Miller uh, or Ennis or a number of other people, but it's, it's interesting that it's trying to do sort of a subtle shading of Dread, and it doesn't, it doesn't quite come off. 
I honestly think that if Wagner had tackled this like it had been his idea, I think he would have put it in. It would have been one of his more um, comical dread stories. You know what I, I mean? Yes and no. Mm. I think you're. I think you're ultimately right. But there's something about the last page where dread, you know, is ha, has lost and has to deal with that and walks away uh, and say, ends up saying, "Control." That's the last thing we have in the city. There's something about that line mm-hmm. that makes people. Oh, Wagner could have written this story. Yeah. No. 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 That, he could have written that, a very yeah. different mm-hmm. version of this story. That's but right. he could have written the story. Yeah. You know, so I can see Wagner writing it when it's not a comedy. Mm-hmm. No, I could too. I, I could too. But... but it's. But again, that's not what we have. Mm-hmm. What we have is something in which Dread feels uh, passive, not because of the. You know, this the story makes Dread passive on purpose. Mm-hmm. He's not on. He's not able to do it. But it makes him passive in that he just sits there and is uncomfortable with it and gets frustrated and doesn't yes. do anything about it. Right. And right. that's the passivity that I don't buy. Mm-hmm. No, I think, and I think that's a, that is a good right. Point. That's like a little the, bit where it goes off. Yeah. You know, the the dread of honestly, the dread of Wagner, and for that matter, the dread of Ennis mm-hmm. would fucking leave. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, and he'd again, yeah. Mm-hmm. Take, he'd leave and, and you know, you know, grud be damned if I'm going to let this happen, and he'd go and do something. Yeah. He might not save the day. He might not solve the problem. But he wouldn't sit there and punch a monitor. Yeah. That's the passivity that that I think is 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 out of character. Mm. You know, that's why the story doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, kind of the art, but yeah, yeah. And, and the art again, the art does not work. The art works against the story because if the story is trying to be, you know, a, a tense, serious story, and the art is is cartoonish it's you know some of the most cartoonish art in this volume with the exception of oh god what's it called a question of sport mm, mm-hmm. tom carney's art for a question of sport is just you know tom carney i guess must have been a friend of the editor <laughs> Ooh. you know it's 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 just terrible it's it's, it's appalling yeah art. it's it's one of those things where you just something like I, I think that it's we'll get we'll turn to it, but let me just say that it, the massive cojones to take on a Judge Dread uh, art job when you are incapable of drawing chins is is a, is stunning to me. Is like a stunning degree of like, yeah, I can fake it. Like, and there's just areas where I'm like, what happened to the? I mean, apart from all the other stuff, there's literally points where I'm like, does he think that Dread has a? A goatee, a goatee or a mustache yes. or what? Yes. It was... He seems to think that Dredd has like very stylized stubble. Yeah, yeah. It was, and I, it was like, what happened? But honestly, the more I look at it, the more I was like, I don't think he can draw chins. Like, like there's a lot of masks. There's a lot of people having their faces tucked into their shoulder over perspectives. And I'm like, I think maybe it was just a weird weak point. He just can't pull it off. And and of course, with dread, you literally have to like the guy's got the world's most unadorned chin, and it's prominent. And so I think he kind of went with a scrabbity to do. Look at that! He's a jazzbo, isn't he? A jazzbo? No. Is this I can still cash this check though, right? Like this is this is my money. Yeah, not good. 
<laughs> this is my money. Yeah, it's it's just it it's very bad. And and the art and control is not that bad, but the art and control is stylized and off model and more importantly, off atmosphere, off tone to such a degree that it, it undercuts the story and, and for what could have worked yes. in Morrison's favor. It oh, just absolutely. doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a bunch of other artists that if they had gotten it, I mean, again, you know, we've talked about this. It drives me nuts that, you know, in a, I would have to say impressively undistinguished career writing dread, Meller, like, gets Carlos Escara for, you know, so far, at least like 75% of his stories or something. And I'm sort of like, well, you know, if you get fucking Carlos Escara, you know what I mean? Like, like control would have worked, you know, there's a lot of yeah. shit that, that comes closer to working. Like, so, but yeah, there's some other stuff. I was not, I was actually, I've actually found the art for return to hottie house by Simon Davis to be um, like quasi repellent, I guess. Which repellent? Is... That yeah. feels very strong. Well, I got to tell you, it's it's just two mixtures of things. Like it's, um, you know, he he does super heavy photo referenced work, so the faces are mega photo realistic. But because it is the return of the the hottie house, ignorance is bliss, lunatics. Um, they've all, they're supposed to, you know, they've had reoccurring lobotomies performed on themselves to make them because they believe that ignorance is bliss. And they, um, the scarring was really creepy and uncomfortable. And I have to say, like, for whatever reason, I just, the zipper on the one guy's head, I was like, okay, it looks cheesy, it looks fake, but it's also disturbing. And then, of course, at a certain point, Dredd hits him so hard, you know, his scalp literally flies off. And, you know, it's, in theory, it's a good comical image, but because it's done with photorealistic art, I just, um, I, I just, I felt my flesh crawl. So, like I said, literally repellent to me. That could just be that I have some, some, very deep neuroses um i i'm more than willing to concede that point but i just didn't like it like i was like where is the first hottie house you know free the block 24 7 or whatever it is was you know kind of one of the highlights of the previous volume this one written by wagner i was just like it's one part diminishing returns one part this work makes me feel like my fingernails are being pulled out. <laughs> I actually are in general, uh, but I think that the, I, I can see why you're saying it's, it's repellent. I can see why you're having the, the response you're having. Mm -hmm. What works for me and what repels you are the same things. Sure. Right. I like the stylization on the zipper. I like that it is uh, actually, that's not true. Cause I, I the, the, the it is photo referenced to the point where it's distracting. Yeah. You can tell that he literally just, or he or a friend, just pulled faces. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of face pulling. And and so, and so yeah. But yeah, so it's just kind of five pages of mugging. You know what I mean? Yeah, which, which is the problem. But at the same time, like, I still think his dread is great. 
I, as much as I like his finish, for want of a better way of putting it, like I like the way he paints. Mm-hmm. I like the marks he makes. He is honestly kind of terrible in, in terms of being static and having no yeah. uh, dynamic right. to, right. to, to, to art. Mm-hmm. And that's, what I think, what trips up Return to the Hottie House. Mm-hmm. Because they're packed pages. Mm-hmm. You know, there are multiple panels in each page. Mm-hmm. And there is action, there is movement, and when he's basically dealing with a series of static portraits of people mugging to the camera, that feels like a, a bigger problem to me. I, I I didn't I wasn't repelled by it. I I kind of love that you were in a weird way. I I can't <laughs> think why. I'm like I feel like that's weirdly successful art if you were physically repelled by it. Um, yeah, but maybe. I do think I do think that it doesn't work because. Honestly, like control, the artist is just unsuitable for the material. The artist like, is the, unsuitable the, the, for the, the material. The writing is asking yeah. something of the artist they can't provide. Well, and I do think that actually, also like Wigmore, um, yeah, he just he's got a lot of or or even uh, what was the whoever the artist was on uh, Lethal Weapon. Um, it's a uh, yeah, Jason Brazil. The, just the the like you said, the visual storytelling is not good. Separate and apart from that, it is just static and bad. So, and I love the idea that we're actually going to go through and complain about all the stuff that it doesn't work, so that we can just give you know rapturous noises. To... <laughs> well, okay, so so here's the weird thing. So it sounds cruel and dismissive to say we've pretty much over with the magazine material, but it was only four stories, and they're four bad stories. Yeah. We're already talking about the 2018 material. Mm-hmm. Uh, about, you know, there, there's what there, there's forty odd chapters of of the 2018 thread here. Mm-hmm. Fifteen of them are the end of the pit. Yeah, which for my money is remains great. There are, on uh, I would argue, unfortunate art choices there, mm-hmm. by which I mean I think Lee Sullivan is not a particularly strong artist. Yeah. And I wish he'd had another artist on there. Yeah. But, you know, the scare works great. Alex Ronald, I think, does great line work, even though I think Alan Craddock's colors are not good. Um, but but the pit as a whole, I think, is really strong. Mm-hmm. I think things like, uh, you know, Death of Legends, uh, My Brilliant Career, The Rise and Fall of Chairman Dilbert, The Pack especially, uh, and even Away Day, I think, are... are are really good, strong as well. I think something like Dead Reckoning, which is a seven-part story um, by Wagner and Greg Staples, that's it's the first time we've really seen Judge Death as a as a real presence in this for a while. I think that's actually kind of weak. I thought so too. I, but I mean, I, there's a variety of things that um, part of me part of me is. Uh, listeners, for those of you who are kind of like, why are they jumping all over the place? There's a couple of reasons. Some of us are. Some of it, I think, is trying to again knock out the weak stuff kind of quickly. So, and because it goes at the end, if we discussed all this stuff in chronological order, it goes from rampant enthusiasm to just kind of, you know, like sullen mumbling. Uh, <laughs> and I just and I kind of feel I, I don't know. I don't know so much about Graham, but I think that that is good to avoid but in a way um like dread 25 uh it case files 25 is both simultaneously very strong and 
very scattered. Like the I, fact, I think that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. the The fact of the matter is, is that the pit is just extraordinary material. Having it broken across two volumes uh, makes sense in in some ways and in many ways. And of course, you know, one of the things about the case files is a lot of the big mega arcs, mega progs, as I keep calling them, get their, do have their own separate collections. You can go and sit down and just read The Pit all in one go. Um, it's very strange that The Pit picks up in this volume, somehow just wraps up kind of like disquietingly tidily and then sort of moves right back in a way as if it never happened, which on the one hand is not is not something that we have not seen before. Sorry for the double negatives uh, in Dread, but somehow feels very, very odd. I think because the pit is such a game changer and it's also kind of like... Um, I mean, it's it's kind of like if there's a restaurant that you, you know, pardon me for being an American and just coming off like a, a like total talking out of his ass. But it's it's like it's like nipping down to the pub, Graham. It's like you nip down to the pub and you're kind of used to things being like kind of, you know, just a little, uh, um, you know, catch as catch can. Sometimes the shepherd's pie is wonderful. Sometimes you get the idea that it didn't quite makes it right. You know, sometimes they're on, on point and can like pour a perfect draft of bitter. And sometimes it feels like they, you know, haven't cleaned the pipes and changed the tap in like far too long, you know. And the pit is like this sustained period of like every night when you nip into the pub, you've got a four course meal. I mean, you've got a four course meal, amuse bouche and, you know, fucking ridiculously good food. But, you know, when you're in the Carlos Esquera doing the art, you know, and then you've got the second part of the, the, the pit where it's kind of like maybe they got rid of the chef the main chef who made everything amazing, but you know, his fill in guy is doing the best that you can. And it's still these four meal dinners and everything is incredibly posh and maybe not quite as sublime as before, but just so amazing from a place where you used to go. And when they give you a, you know, like you'd order a bag of crisps, you notice there was like dust on the bag before you opened it, which just seemed like weird. How old are these crisps anyway? And then suddenly one day without warning, <laughs> like you just go back in and there's no four course meal. No one talks about it. No one mentions it. You can't find the menu that was under glass when you walked in is like gone as if it was never there. Suddenly karaoke nights back on and, you know, suddenly like, you know, there's dust on the crisp chips bag again. What has happened? And so I think there's something a little, again, that's all uh, me in my imaginary state. Lord only knows what you have to do to reconcile that with reality. So I apologize every, with everyone. I, I, I will admit, like, you lost me at some point. But, uh, <laughs> no, I was with you. And then it's like, wait, so then things are, are worse. And then they're somehow worse, but worse in exactly the same way. Like, what story are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going, I'm going yeah. to spin off of that. <laughs> 
Please do. To say the, to say the following. Um, I think the pit is the high point of the book. I do think that going directly from the pit to Dead Reckoning does feel like a reversal. And honestly, she feels like a reversal in ways that Wagner can't make it work, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a series of one-offs, or, or, you know, in the case of The Rise and Fall of Chairman Dilbert, two chapter stories that are very variable mm-hmm. in terms in terms of how successful they are and do feel like you said like you know old school dread in many ways right uh but you know the the best of them still works for one of a better way of putting mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. like death of a legend i think is really good i think the rise and fall of german dilbert honestly is really fun yes. uh again then you get to the pack after all of that and i think the pack is just great yes Oh, God, I'm so glad you talked to it. The pack is just really fucking strong. But then after that, you get, you know, 10 episodes of of John Smith doing Darkseid, which for me is is kind of a mess. Boo! Boo! Yeah, I'm going to talk about how Darkseid's sublime, but we'll get there. I think Darkseid honestly reads like Morrison's version of Dread. Oh, that's so interesting. Because, of course, it's... it is, but it isn't actually. So that's because so I'm yeah. I'm very very interested to hear you argue why it isn't. I mean, yeah. on the one hand, sure, it's better than Morrison's Dread. Well, but there you go. I mean, <laughs> no, but you know, you literally get the the judge showing the psychic judge showing up and and oh, very know, much giving, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. giving like the Rhodes Morrisonian lines. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you also get it's so one of the problems I don't like Dead Reckoning to flashback mm-hmm. to that for a second. Yes. Is that it does feel like a such a step back, right? Mm-hmm. It's not only Dread versus Judge Death. There's even a gimmick in which it's, you know, the the flashback to the origins of Judge Death. Um that that feels incredibly retrogressive. And then Darkseid, again, for me, feels very retrogressive. It feels like it's been written by a fan of Dread. Because oh, yeah. it's like, and we've brought back this, and we brought back Tutti Fruity, and we brought back Zombie Dread from City of the Damned, and we brought back Luna One, and we brought, do you know what I mean? And there's all this, like, breathless, but what about-ism? You know, that that just feels... Graham, 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 No, no. Graham, yeah, Graham. please tell me why I'm wrong. Please tell me why I'm wrong. Do you want me to tell you now, or do you want me to tell you later? I Tell me now, because we're talking about it. Okay, so, there's, there's a few things. One thing that I like of well, let me tell you about the reasoning behind it. As you point out, you know, it's it feels as if it's written by a fan. It feels as it's layered and layered and layered, like you said, in like, here's Luna One, here's Humpty, here's the Grubbs disease, here's all this stuff. And it is dread, and this is where the Morsonian part steps up we're dealing with a shadow version of himself right but it's it's literally zombie dread and that's the other thing that i think is super important part of why i really like john smith on dread and i talked about this a little bit in the previous story you know the previous volume where his story blew me away is i feel that smith's dark side really does do what Morrison and Miller keep 
saying to themselves and to everyone else that they're doing, but they really aren't. Which is, I think Smith writes about Dredd seriously and takes Dredd seriously as a character. He never undercuts Dredd or Dredd's position in the world. He He doesn't write Dredd out of character, but he is also not down with Dredd, you know? And so the idea of Dredd versus zombie Dredd is to me a very strong meta statement of, you know, here I am, maybe Smith himself is a Dredd fan. It is definitely a story about how can I not be, how can I be opposed to fascism and be a fan of a fascist character? Now, it's weird because there's not really a lot of fascism in the story. Like, Dredd is not presented as, you know, a right prick the way that oh, no, he no. is. Dredd, in... literally, it's literally a Dredd versus a monster story. Yeah, it's a Dredd Which, versus again, a monster Which, again, is very Marisonian. Yeah, it is. Well, and Dredd versus a monster and Dredd versus, like... His opposite image, of course, which, you know, like Morrison's kind of like, yeah, I'm just trying to do the big story. And as we pointed out, he doesn't really understand Dredd. He doesn't want to be seen as sympathizing with Dredd, which is also Miller's problem. I think Smith's point is zombie Dredd and Dredd, the thing that ties them together is they want to go home. Right. Like that's the thing that ends up emerging out of zombie dread is he is a character that brings death with him like everywhere he goes. But he's really just honestly trying to to get home. That is and that is all that dread really wants. Like the weird part is unlike Morrison or Miller, like even if they'd gotten this far and they hadn't uh, made dread a prick they would have made much more explicit ties to the idea that dread and zombie dread are the same because they bring death and don't really care about life. Um, what I like about Smith is in dark side is he does not connect those dots. What he goes for is kind of a weirder thing by, by having I think it misses the mark by Dredd being like, I just want to go home and you see Earth. But we have seen a little bit of the idea that Dredd's home is the streets. And it's part of why he can't be control. It's why he can't end up running the pit forever. The streets are his home and he needs to get home. But also the desire to go back and, and that association with home Smith, I feel, is talking very strongly about nostalgia, that the appeal of dread. And that's why the story has to be a wash in all of those images. What I like about it is it's so layered in, like most writers only do one or two or maybe three references, maybe if they're crazy. And there's dozens of things yeah no it, it that's that's so much of this story and it's so maximalist and part of me i have to admit part of me is like i kind of wanted that i've had that itch for a while of like what if someone took 
all of the little changes that are one-offs in Wagner and Grant in over the 25 years and tried to bring all of them together. And I mean, you can't always have all of them because part of it is the faddishness of a lot of things, but have the world look like realize kind of like, Oh, it's kind of a rich and strange place. Like the, the weird analogy would be like, it's like if you did league of extraordinary gentlemen, but you just kept it to judge dread. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that layered in everything. And so, on the one hand, I thought that that was kind of fun, but it's also because the story opens with the centerpiece is essentially a dread collector, you know, that is fixated on all these artifacts that, of course, are all dread artifacts that goes out of control. It it really is about sort of like how nostalgia is killing us like that that craving that desire for home that we that 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 dread has that zombie dread has there's a part in which it's it's killing us you know it's not just it's not even that it's killing us it's killing the world around us and i think in 96 like that's uh a really incredibly prescient take to have because like in 2021 that's practically just fact you know what i mean so so dark side i thought had something to say like with smith's other story said it i think really well but i can get the idea that it's like it won't necessarily be your cup of tea because it can be annoying i i am i was far too aware of the takes for one of a better way of putting it mm-hmm. like i i was overwhelmed in a negative way by the many callbacks mm-hmm. i found the i can't what was the name of the the psychic judge i can't remember his name oh i can't either but it, like it practically ev- ev- is yeah. everything to do with him yeah. i found yeah like utterly distracting to the point of you know i was just completely removed from the story mm-hmm. um I thought I thought the home thing was completely overplayed. Mm-hmm. Like I I was just all too aware of the things I thought it was doing wrong. And honestly, the fact that it is an ugly looking strip to me as well. Yes, no, it suffers. From help. The and other. honestly, yeah. the ugly looking strip, predominantly for me, is the coloring. Mm-hmm. Like Alan Craddock colors the majority of the stories in 2008 in this in this volume, and it is the epitome of. Like, I've got Photoshop and I've got an airbrush tool in Photoshop. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that, I find that, you know, distractingly ugly. Mm-hmm. Everything has the same texture and that texture is shiny. Everything. Yeah. It can be skin, it can be clothing, it can be machinery, it can be space, it can be planets. It's all the same. Yeah. You know, and that is, that is distracting. And so it's, it was this visually ugly strip a big visually ugly serial that was for me mired in in a sort of weird desperate fanishness mm-hmm. and i i you're saying but for me it didn't play like that at all mm-hmm. that you know smith lapsed into self slash marsonian parody repeatedly throughout mm-hmm. uh and also, as I said, like the home thing, the idea of like zombie dread is dread is in no way subtle and to the point where it, for me, is just annoying. Like it's not nowhere near as, <laughs> as well, it's, it's nowhere near as intelligent or honestly meaningful 
as as I think that Smith thinks it is. Part of that might be again, I'm reading this 25 years later, you know, mm-hmm. and and culture is different. I think if I was reading it at the time and I had not read all, all the dread, but also like you know all the everything else that I've read, mm-hmm. I might I might have been more, you know, I might have found it more novel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but it's it, not it, a novel story. No, it totally no no. Is but not but the that. idea of like dread and zombie dread are the same and they have a parallel. Blah blah blah. Like that was just honestly the reveal of zombie dread was funny because I'd gotten there already. And I'm sure he did as well. It was not subtle. Mm-hmm. I, but also, I was bored of it by the time we got there. Mm-hmm. And after they do the reveal, they then spend a, a reasonable amount of time going like, you won't remember who Zombie Dread is and we should reintroduce him. But I was just like, fucking get over it already. Like, just, just stop. This is not as interesting. And you've got the background characters. Like, all of the characters in this, with the exception of Dread, are caricatures. They are, for me, more of the Ennis Miller form mm. of background character than a Wagner background character. And that's something else I'm frustrating. So honestly, the story was just full of things that I didn't like. Right. And coming after all the Wagner, it was like, oh, fuck, really? Yeah. You know? Because yeah. it's uncredited. It's mm-hmm. the first thing in, in the 2008 things that's uncredited. But you can tell from the very first page mm-hmm. that it's not. Yeah, you know, like immediately you can tell it's not Wagner. Oh yeah, because I mean, it reads like all these other writers, all these other let's be honest, lesser writers. It's nowhere near as good as, as the other stuff that, that Smith has done. I think. I I see that honestly because I think you're right. There's a lot of stuff the the sub Morrisonian stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff that's how do I put it? It's a very pat story, which I'm honestly uh, okay with. I'm not, it's not, it is not sublime for me, definitely. And some of that is the art and some of it is. Honestly, I think some of Smith's caption to caption writing is quite strong. Like it's, some of it is, like you said, it's having not read a lot of Smith's other stuff. Yeah, that's one of the problems. Like there's a lot of stuff in there. I think if I hadn't read Smith, I'd be like, oh, that's really interesting. But because I have, and because honestly, I really like Smith's other work. There was a lot here I was like, Wow, he's phoning this in. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I just think that um, Smith is... How do I put it? He's he. I think he is a bit uneven, frankly. Um, oh, he is very uneven. Yeah. But I'm thinking... I'm, I, when I was saying like he's phoning it in, it's specifically like, you know, the caption's like, and he's out 10 minutes now, but it seems like a lifetime. High as a kite above the city stacks and leisure plexes. You Von Brown territory below now like a barber carpet. And he goes down, but not to earth. And all of this is like an individual caption, so there's no punctuation. Mm-hmm. Is like Smith has been doing that for years mm-hmm. by this Mm-hmm. You know, and, he's been doing, and that's the part where I'm like, okay, he's on, he's on automatic pilot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the part where it's just, it's just not working for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, fair enough. I, to your point, I, again, works better for me than it did for you. Still wouldn't say it's a masterpiece, but, uh, but yeah, I think that for me anyway, um, if I had right now to sit down and these these statistics change remarkably over the <laughs> coming decades, it would be, you know, 
for my favorite dread writers, it's Wagner, Wagner and Grant, then Smith, then Grant. So like he's 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 a well ahead of he's way up there then. He's way up there for me. Yeah. And this one was like this did do the trick for me in a lot of ways that again seemed to bug you. And some of that again is also that I am blissfully ignorant. Uh not unlike the Hot House seven or whatever. Um to about a lot of Smith's other larger work and I really need to dip into it. But yeah. Not bad. I, I I've got to say, like, if if mm-hmm. if that sort of thing is the sort of thing you like, I genuinely would recommend that you dip into it. Yeah. No. I yeah, think I I, 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 yeah. I think there's a lot there that you'd really like, and for my money, there's a lot of much stronger Smith work out there. Interestingly enough, Net's volume mm-hmm. features another extended Smith sequence, and it's Smith. Uh, it's Dread teaming up with Devlin Waugh, the Smith mm-hmm. character. I'm curious what you're going to make of that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Especially since I have yet to really dip my toes into Devlin Wah. Like, I've chanced upon him a few times during my 2000 AD subscription, but nothing extensive. Um, so I do think that, again, it's a, it's a, it's a really um, scattershot volume, in part because you do have the pit and then you have everything else. Some of the Wagner stuff is hit or miss. Sometimes the art is great. The pack is, to me, fabulous in a... What was amazing to me was from the very first page, I was like, oh, fuck, it's those fucking nightmare sharks again. But I was like, but aren't they on another planet? And the thing that's crazy-making is how long I spent going like, I'm not crazy, right? They were on Hestia, right? And it goes on for like a <laughs> long time before Dread's like, last time I saw these, these were on Hestia. I'm like, fucking thank God. I honestly thought that Wagner just <laughs> fucking forgot. But um, that's just, like, part of me is, I do sometimes wonder, like, this is one of those, like, what's happening behind the scenes? And I did not check out Thrill Power Overload, but was it like, was it like the editors weren't down with the pit? Was it the readership was not down with the pit? I, or no, was I, it I, Wagner just I wonder. I wonder because of where the pit ends, mm-hmm. if either Wagner on his own volition or was editorially told to for Prog 1000. Because pit ends in Prog 999. Oh. So for Prog 1000, he was basically told, okay, get, give us a classic Dread story. Because that's also the story that starts Dead Reckoning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and so the idea that Prog 1000 has Dread back on the streets, TM, dealing with Judge Death, right. feels very much like, you know, it's it's an anniversary issue special, True Believer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, sure, but what was happening before was more interesting. Oh, definitely. It is, like I said, it's interesting because I would not be surprised. Again, Wagner has in his Wagner and Grant days like totally just decided to fuck off on numbers of arcs where it's like yeah we're going to do stuff and nah, now we're not you know and i wonder if as he was you know midway through the pit or getting ready to bring it to a close or was bringing it you know was realizing he was going to have to do something different for 1000 that was a return he was like eh you know let's just Let's just tie it off, because I think Wagner is peripatetic in a way that has largely served him extraordinarily well with Dread. He gets bored, and then he's like, 
You know what I miss? Like, there's no, there's no room for rampaging Hestian sky sharks in the pack. I, I mean, in the pit. Like, and I think he's aware of that. Like, you can't, you can't do the rise and fall of Chairman Dilbert in the pit. I think the pit was a. Here's me. Whatever fires are lit underneath him, he's doing the pit as dread as a as something very close to a you know a police TV show, a police procedural homicide year on the streets, and it's fucking phenomenal. But at the same time, I think he was kind of like, yeah, but you know. I kind of want to do a story about a guy who finally gets a job as a model, but he can't because, you know, because dread ruins his fucking day. Like, he just has to kind of go back to the spirit stories. You know what I mean? One one way or the other. Where it's like, yeah, that, the one of the great things in the pack is, like, dread is fighting big fucking terrifying sky sharks that will come to me in my nightmares. But, like, those sharks aren't, like, those sharks are the focus of the story. Like, Dread just gets to be a reactive element for it. And and Wagner, you know, the dude who helped, you know, have a hand in hook job, was like, yeah, you know what always works? Sharks ripping people apart. That always works. And he's, you know, he's fucking right. By yeah, I was going to say, way. he's not wrong. Like, yeah, it's, he's not it's wrong. To yeah. see just how successful it is having, I mean, it's like five parts. Like, a five chapter story that is oh no sorry it's three parts it's yeah, just three parts. there are there are longer episodes than i was looking at the page count yeah um it, it that is just you know dread versus flying shark yeah. the end yeah. there is nothing to it. although i should say there is something more to it in that it's henry flirts henry flint's first dread art yes and he's fucking great i've always liked henry flint i think mm-hmm. henry flint spectacular artist yeah. but seeing like his first dread art here and it is still just fucking amazing yeah is is great like he immediately flint immediately looks like he comes from the same school as a mcmahon or or cam kennedy Mm -hmm. you know feels classically dread in that way yeah that is just it's just great such beautiful art He's got the style, but he also has the storytelling fundamentals down and so the the first couple of pages which are just sharks ripping the shit out of people before dread even gets involved like they come up over the walls you know fuck up a bunch of dread you know judges on the wall and then go into the city just a fucking nightmare um but but perfectly told just the storytelling is like you see it really does show up how bad the magazine art is to follow, you know, 50 or 60 pages with that. Like Dark Side itself, like you said, between the colors and some of the storytelling choices, I mean, you weren't even crazy about the story, but it's like the pack really does show stuff up. But I do also think that, again, um, you know, Wagner, for better or for worse, is he's just, he, like those flying sharks, he's kind of always has to keep moving forward. You know, even when he decides that he's going to dip back, one of the things that I think is kind of great is it looks like it could be a whole like 
why did these sky sharks come from this other planet? What's going on? Like, is this just a big dramatic opening to a story about, you know, um, intergalactic animal smugglers hiding out in the cursed earth? Fuck if I know. Maybe we'll find out next volume or never, you know? And that's, that is also kind of Wagner's deal, which again, he kind of can't do when it's like, oh, how's Dredd going to handle Lee's pill addiction? You know what I mean? Which is which is literally a subplot that, again, in true Wagner fashion, he's like, eh, I killed Lee, so we'll, we don't really have to worry about that. I don't have to do yeah, but no, no, you forget. Lee's pill addiction also results in Lee has the drugs to help people when they need, oh, uh, when they need medical assistance. Me, which I is, didn't forget that part. Yeah. I Delightful. love that. Yeah. No, 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 I, no, no, no. no. I, love that what the thing that is shocking to me about the conclusion of the pit is how thoroughly um wagner grabs every thread ties it up in a way that is surprisingly both satisfying and and kind of shockingly um organized for wagner uh but that but how do I put it? So the part that Lee has the pills, which have been introduced, and that's what helps people, is fucking fabulous. But of course, that one is the one where Dread is going to have to make a choice about what to do about Lee. And what that choice would mean really has a lot to do about what Wagner feels about the new Dread in the pit. You know what I mean? Like, Dread in the Pit is sort of is aligned with the Dread, Wagner's Dread that we've seen before. It is a continuation of that person, but it, it threatens to become a continuation of Dread uh, into kind of a... Uh, as, as, I, as I think Vord99 pointed out in one of our comment threads of far more um, benevolent, like a character of goodness in a way that it's like, what's he going to do with a good judge who also has a pill problem? Like, you know, like, is he going to make the right call? Like, there's certain things that Dredd can't tolerate. And he, I think in a way, it touches on it a little bit in the stuff with, uh, shit, with what's-her-name, where she's gotten involved with another judge. He's DeMarco. DeMarco. DeMarco is involved with a, romantically involved with another judge, gets found out, and her confrontations with Dredd is he's like, You're a good judge. This is but this is, you know, a horrible mistake. And she's like, you know what? The guy was a mistake, but but this is not a mistake. And the fact that she and he have ideological differences that they kind of stick to, like maybe it was just a matter of, I mean, on other thing, Wagner was like, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of already have the perfect distillation of this scene. I don't have to have another one with the pill head, but it is kind of convenient that, that literally at one point, DeMarco who's been captured by her conveniently gone, completely, utterly corrupt uh, ex-boyfriend you know, is flying her out of the city and they pass over the war zone that is, you know, Wagner's salute to John Carpenter's assault on Precinct 13. And you are like, oh, 
there's isn't that your partner on fire? Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and I do love that because part of me is like, it's so convenient. It's such old school 2000 AD storytelling in that it's not subtle. But it's also kind of Wagner being like, ah, that's so great. Like, I just cross that off my to-do list without having to do anything. So, you know, go me. Look how it all comes together. It yeah. all comes together. Like, he had his little moment where the pills pay off, server point in the story. Now I get to set this guy on fire rather than worrying about the inevitable scene that I don't really want to care about writing because I already did it better and earlier, you know? Um, how does it make you feel to know that DeMarco is a, uh, a recurring character after uh, this? I, I mean, good. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I almost, we were originally going to come from Carlo Gugino uh, block. <laughs> because I did have that thing of, there's a scene where she's in her, topless in her underwear, sleeping with some dude. And I'm like, oh man, it's just kind of like Carlo Gugino. And, and then I, and then Castillo did something. And I'm like, she's kind of like Carlo. I'm like, Every dread, female Dread character could have been played by Carla Gugino. And I was kind of like, they should do a version of Dread where it's got every female character like Hershey, DeMarco, you know, Castillo. And they can all be played by Carla Gugino. So, um, yeah, I, I like DeMarco as a character. I like Castillo. As, I love that Castillo gets a character beat in this story that, to me, is satisfying. You know, if you've been as we have reading her you know have followed her since her first appearance where dread offers her the sjs position and she turns it down and she's like i don't i just don't like basically ratting on judges you know yeah yeah that's yeah that's not who i want to be yeah exactly and i think that that is that really is such a very good extension of the character because when we see her as you know magruder's right hand judge um she is you know having lost her nerve on the street and been assigned like you know kind of this desk job thing she's kind of in the you know dreads basically offering her a chance to kind of go back to that position and she's she doesn't want it like and that's some a lot of serious character growth that again so much of that is below the surface but wagner has done enough of the 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 work that she gets a character beat so yeah i would love to see demarco again i I think it's a little i would in a way i almost hope that we see demarco again because there's a lot of backstory with demarco that i was like i'm not sure that we need this like you know like it was kind of uh Wagner being like, yeah, 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 I know you're all wondering, you know, why why would DeMarco, like, be a good judge but risk it all for love? Well, here's the answer, folks. Sit down, sit down. I, John Wagner, genius who understands women, have figured it out. It's because her dad <laughs> didn't pay her enough attention. Anyway, listen, it's okay. I don't need to pursue my degree as a therapist, although I'm sure I could be an award-winning <laughs> one, I prefer writing comics. But anyway, I'm really glad that I was able to share that novelistic insight with you. You're welcome. You know, I am my generation's. I am the law. And I am. The, <laughs> I am the law. That would be great. You know, I have to say, I have to change my 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 outlook signature block now. 
I got her excuse. Wouldn't that just be great? Like, okay, talk to you then. I am the law, comma, Jeff. I'm, I'm into it. That's how, that's how it's all ending from now on. I really, I, I feel like we, we, we got weirdly distracted from wherever we started off. Um, <laughs> I really like, no, 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 because I like that Dredd goes in different places in the pit. Yeah. Like Dredd is forced uh, as a character to go yes. into various yes. different places. I yeah. also think in a strange way that even though it seems as if that is abandoned immediately afterwards, and it is abandoned immediately after that, it lays the groundwork for stuff that Wagner is going to do like 10 years after that. Oh, I totally believe it. You know? Absolutely. Like, I, w- I would say that the dread that exists today uh, has the ability to simultaneously be, you know, the old man on the streets who dispenses justice and this odd patriarch of a, a family. Mm-hmm. You know, the family part is at once literal and not literal you know he has characters like giant or you know to a far lesser extent to marco uh in there he's got his own niece who who gets introduced at some point in there but also clones of of fargo start appearing Mm. on Mm. and he takes interest in them that specifically ties back to kraken Mm -hmm. but then when they don't go bad Mm-hmm. He becomes this like uncle almost to them, right? And so it, you get, uh, you do get this benevolent, you know, paternal figure of some form coming out of dread. That I think that groundwork ends up getting laid in the pit, and I think oh. that without it, you wouldn't be able to do that properly. You know, I it's interesting. I agree. I I agree that the pit is the fullest expre- first full expression of what I will now coin as the term Judge Dad. But, um, you know, going from Judge Dredd to Judge Dad is kind of a progression that we have seen um, to, to be sort of weirdly profane and, and step back to american comics it's something that we've seen with wolverine as well you know like oh, yeah yeah much it, it he goes from being tough guy loner to um def, not a champion of women characters of being of a mentor to women characters and then ultimately kind of becoming like you know a benevolent dad figure in a in in a way that is it's it's a it's kind of a satisfying growth for the character it's kind of a satisfying way for the development and and like i said i do feel like with his relationships and i think castillo is a perfect one it's unsurprising that for example there's a part where castillo says to her lover i i mean sorry demarco says to her lover yeah i don't there's something about dread that i don't i don't want to disappoint him and and her her shit heel lover is like oh you've got the hots for him and she's like i'm not even going to justify that with a response and you're a fucking idiot which is serious growth on wagner's part because back when we see castillo she's like Ooh, that dread. He's like an old grizzled piece of meat, but his voice is so commanding. 
yeah, exactly. kind of dreamy. Like, it's kind of, you know, you see Wagner getting a sense of, like, yeah, you know what? Like, like there are the, the, the idea of, um, the idea of a supportive, like, a male character who's comfortable enough in his masculinity that it, it, it is not toxic masculinity, but becomes a form of nurturingness is something that is, I think, really resonant um, in a, in such a, in such a good way. And so I think there is a little bit, you know, I think you and I had tussled a little bit about the idea of like, is Dredd a good supervisor? Is he a bad supervisor in the, in the pit? And you're like, yeah, it kind of shows him. He's like, not good at it. And I'm like, he's great at it. And, <laughs> and I think there's actually something that is interesting about the pit where, um, where you get to see all that and you also really kind of do get some of those payoff moments. And then Wagner's like, okay, enough of that. And what's great is Wagner's kind of, it doesn't mean that he's, he can't come back to it, but I do think that he's very well served in, I say that he's always moving forward, but one could really argue that dread is, is moving in circles. But, you know, one of the things that's nice is, is that, when Wagner comes around to the slap happy slapstick side or the stupid social satirizing side or the weird horror story side, um, you know, the sky shark side of things, the, the cursed earth monster side of things, he's, you're kind of like, Oh, this is good. I've missed this. You know, even if yeah, you haven't yeah. necessarily really been aware that you've missed it at all. Yeah, exactly. You might not have actively missed it, but when it, when it's done well. For, mm-hmm. I mean, again, I think Dead Reckoning isn't particularly done well, and so I don't have that. Like, it feels like a retread in a negative way, oh, as yeah. opposed to something like the Sky Sharks. Or again, Dilbert, the, the chairman, you know, right. which is a very old-fashioned story. Oh, but there's something much. about the, the way he's approaching it that does feel at once refreshing and yet comforting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I honestly am never as impatient with Wagner as when, as soon as Judge Dredd death marks onto the scene, I, I think, I think that character is really dull. Is never as interesting as, as Wagner seems to think. You know, but but honestly, uh, I thought Greg Staples' art on that was fucking great. So. I'm like, well, at least these pages are really fucking pretty. I don't normally go in for, like, the Bisley-esque has its charms, but it never really rings my chimes. But maybe following, you know, the adventure in the hottie house or whatever, I'm like, yeah, okay, great. Good, good, solid cartooniness, some good actual goofiness, some good deliberate dramatic over exaggeratedness if i've got to put up with judge death in that even judge death times two i mean that's the other thing is is there's there's even that moment of the swerve i think where there is the in dead reckoning there's that idea of judge death ends up being thrown back in a via time machine to he wants to go back. To, he gets free. He wants to go back to his home dimension. He gets sent back, but he's sent further back in time. 
And then Dredd goes after him. And one of the things that kind of bummed me out was I was kind of hoping we would see it in basically the stages where the stages are really being set for this next level of insanity. Like part of me, and admittedly, I don't really follow the other Judge Death stuff. Maybe it's covered in separate stories, but I'm like, oh, there could maybe be something in a story about a civilization, civilization that's like dreads that essentially just how do you kind of go too far and maybe even have it where in his like, I'm my own grand necrotic grandmother kind of way, like Judge Death goes back in time and more or less becomes the inspiration that inspires them to embrace the extermination of of all life. But basically, you kind of show up and it's retreadville. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's like Necropolis and everyone's being tortured and killed. But then, you know, then you also have Mortis and everyone. And so you also get the, you know, you get to have Dread punch through Judge Fear's face, you know, the same way that you've got to have, you know, it's required by 2000 AD law that once a year, once every other year, you've got to tribute that amazing panel, you know? And, uh, well, I like how uh, one of the few things I like about Dread Reckoning is that, uh, Dread calls out like that it's a rehash. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, and they well, film it, do it from a completely clear. different angle. Yeah. No, I, I, I do too, but honestly, I think it's really funny how much, I mean, cause you didn't like dead world either. So it's not a perfect match, but dead world for me was basically dark side, you know, like it's everything that kind of bugged you about dark side. Like that's how I felt about dead reckoning, except I like the art more, Yeah, you know? No, no. Like I honestly, I, I can 100% see that, mm-hmm. that, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I, 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 it's funny. I see what you're saying about the Greg Staples art. I think the Greg Staples art on Away Day, which is just like a two chapters yes. later, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. somehow better. Yeah, I think so too. It, it, it feels more lively. It feels more interesting. Honestly, Away Day as a strip feels more interesting. Yes. Uh, and because like I get the reference. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a very particular uh, parody. It's weird also that we have to to um british television parodies in this volume mm-hmm. from wagner like that that in itself feels old-fashioned mm-hmm. yes, you know it does yeah yeah What's um, on the but TV? It, it's yeah. i i i think that the the staples art for away day is is actually really nice it, it's got some bizlyisms but it also feels enough unbizly oh agree you know that that there, there, there's it's really interesting. Like I definitely see some Camp Kennedy in there. Mm-hmm. The, the the full body shot of Dread pointing to the reader and shouting "You," mm-hmm. like I get Kennedy from that much more than I get Bisley, mm-hmm. and so that that's that's more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, um, and I get it. Yeah, I do want to talk about Death of a Legend. Uh, yes, yeah, we should because it's which important. Is the, the, yeah. yeah, it is. It's an important story. In that, if nothing else, it's the end of of a long running storyline mm-hmm. because it's the death of Magruder. Yes, and it shows once again that that Magruder is almost the closest thing Dread has to a friend at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
that uh, someone he cares about, you know, someone he he will break the rule because you find out later like he did this without authorization. Right. Someone he'll break the rules for, mm-hmm. in order to be kind. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful. The the plot for people who are not reading along is uh, it's very simple. Magruder is is near death. She's actually living in a euthanasium, which I find really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Dread basically recruits her for one final mission in the Cursed Earth that that she dies during. But this is also intercut with a meeting of the Council of Five. Sorry, it's not the Council of Five. Is it? It's a it's a medical yeah council mm-hmm. uh, where they are talking about what to do about her. Mm-hmm. Talking about the fact that, that she's gone senile and, and and what do you do with a former chief judge? Um, and in the middle of this meeting, they get a call that Dread has basically signed her out and taken her to die. Mm-hmm. And there's there's something there's something noble in in the story. There's something honestly kind of beautiful in the story. There's something very western for me in the story. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it it packs in a lot for a one off. Mm. And it feels like it feels like a satisfying conclusion to the Magruder Dread stuff in a way that you know Wilderlands didn't. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I I do get that. I think. Uh, how can I say it? I agree with all of your points generally, and sort of disagree with them specifically. I I thought it was kind of paltry. I kind of thought it was kind of pat. Uh, so it didn't really ring my chimes. Like one of the things we've talked a little bit about how much we didn't, the coloring has not worked for us in various uh, things here. I think the coloring in death of a legend is fabulous because it's a lot of grays and whites. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a deathly palette that works really well. And that the art is kind of underselling it in a lot of ways, but, but but I was also one of those like I knew the last page by the time I got to the end of the first page. So oh sure yeah no no it's very clear it's very yeah. clear what's going to happen yeah like it is unsurprising one hundred percent yeah so I mean <laughs> it it, it would have been great if if Dread was like fuck this really fucked up my mission you know what i mean like if it had actually been that dread was crazy enough to actually like i really needed magruder's eyeball to get into this one part of the cursed earth to shut down these womp rats instead of just kind of like he's giving her he's giving her the viking funeral and i like part of me is like oh that's great and it's okay but but it kind of it kind of is what it is like i'm sort of um I think I think Magruder is a tough character for me in that I think that she is simultaneously Wagner. It's she's Wagner starting to really kind of be like, oh, I can play the long game and I can tell um, stories about these people and their relationship to Dread, and I can have those relationships change over time, which is great but with Magruder it it always misses the boat you know I remember it this misses the, misses the boat in what sense um I don't have multiple it's multiple senses but ultimately part of me is like when she's a she's a character with dementia and 
and Dred's like, I'm going to put you back in the cursed earth and we're going to have a shootout and she, you're going to die. And she's going to be like, this is so much better than being killed by a bunch of schemers. And he's like, yeah, I knew it, that you needed a better death than that. And part of me is like, I didn't necessarily know that about Magruder. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Magruder's never... Uh, she's a character who was a judge, who did the long walk, went crazy out in the cursed earth, survived, came back to the city and imposed her law on it to for at the time in a good way but you know sort of semi with diminishing returns but Magruder's not a Magruder's not a character to me she's she's a story engine and so there's no death of a story engine just doesn't mean much to me like you can pile on how heartless can you be that well, story see, that's it i know see Dirt and that's dread. it well see i knew it i knew of course i mean that's the thing it's just that ridiculous like all of a sudden you know you UKers or break out that sloppy sentimental side that forgives all sorts of things if things are just <laughs> pathetic enough and i'm like i sort of get that but at the same time i'm like that's not it's not a character i don't i so don't know anything about magruder part of me is like i don't think she wanted to die like that I, you know what i mean like i think she oh, but, she, but i i think that's like literally a line of dialogue in an earlier story yeah is it mm. yeah no i i genuinely think it is i think there's there's dialogue in an earlier story about basically how she doesn't want to be retired she doesn't want to like go on tours she basically wants to die in the line of duty like yeah, I think that's sure. genuinely well, maybe yeah sure, sure yeah. maybe uh, I mean I, I, I don't think that that's out in the cursed earth necessarily either and I get that that's where you kind of have to do it or what you have to do or all the kind of various stuff but there's also a little bit of part of me is like you know you kind of get it then you you do get dread into a sentimental side of like oh. He's going to, you know, it's like, oh, he's breaking the law to do what he thinks is right. And I'm kind of like, normally that's the kind of thing that requires a certain amount of not soul searching for dread. But you know what I mean? And again, there's no fallout. It's not like next episode you even see Volt shaking his finger at dread like, uh, uh, uh. I mean, like, stop kidnapping old chief judge. Exactly. Like, there's just such a level of, it's, it's all, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I get that it's meaningful for you, Graham. It is, it is a wrap up, but it's, I mean, it's also one of those Christmas adverts, you know, for you guys. You, but here's the thing. I love this Christmas shit over. Yeah, I know, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like I, I, exactly. I'm like I, you know, I feel like you're insulting me, but it doesn't work. But I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just trying to say, like, on the one hand, I see where you're coming from. I do not feel that way. I think that it has a huge amount of unearned stuff to it, but. But, you know, but sometimes that works. It, you know, apparently for me, if the unearned stuff is like sky sharks from another planet showing up on Earth just to rip people in pieces with no explanation, I'm fine with that. You're you like, know? there, great. Yeah, I'm all over it. I am all over it. Yeah, so, but it is, and it's, the the art in it is, it's some of the best art that I think I remember seeing from, from Doherty. And again, a lot of that really for me is the, the coloring, but the, the dynamic of the action scenes is, is fabulous. So. Yeah. Doherty has, has been, 
hit or miss, open brackets, mostly miss for me. Mm-hmm. But I think that the art in this is really nice, in large part because of the coloring, in large part because of the staging as well. Yes, the stage, exactly. I, 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 I think yeah. that it's actually really, really nicely staged. I think that, that Doherty so. knows exactly how to keep his distance, for want of a better way of putting it, yes. um, to make it work. Mm-hmm. I, 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 think it's, I think it's a really, really nicely drawn uh, chapter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Where we should go next, in my mind, is is the old standbys. Drucker drops, and then favorite stories of okay. the book. And also, favorite non-Wagner stories of the group, because you like to do that. I love because, doing that. You know, I mean, this one, it's obvious, right? It, even for all that I didn't like, Darkseid, it's still going to be Darkseid. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's by far the strongest non-Wagner story. Even if, again, I'm, I'm not really... You know, you're not, you're not down with the clown, as the kids yeah. say. Yeah. You know, like like that. I that I didn't particularly like it, but it's still by far the most successful. Right. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously going to be mine, but I actually have the benefit of liking it, so it's a little bit exactly. Easier. You're like it's much easier for me. Uh, I'm curious, what's your favorite Wagner? Ah. Uh... Well, see, I, I mean, that's that's where things get hard. Like, do you – I mean, it's got to be – it's clearly the pit. Like, you know, if I had to pick a certain section of the pit because things kind of – there's a bit of stuff that is like bongo – by the time that you get to a declaration of war and bongo war, like things are going in very different directions like bongo war is the pit but but different so i don't know if we'd split it out if i was being lazy i'd be like just the pit the pit is fabulous if i had to then split things up i'd be like i don't know like i think the unjudicial liaisons i think is is that deep, that's where i was really gonna satisfying go. yeah. yeah that's where i was gonna go i was gonna say probably the unjudicial liaisons part of it is the carlson care art yeah but part of it is i really like the demarco stuff yeah. in this volume i've got to be honest if it's not unjudicial liaisons it might be the pack for me yeah and i was going to say the pack because that is it. I was. I. I also felt like like we not only have to pick our favorite Wagner story, we have to f- pick our favorite non-pit Wagner story, which I think could be fair because there's a lot of them, and weirdly there's a lot of competition. The pack is fucking great in that it's just you know three progs worth of what the kids used to call a uh, video nasty. You know, it's just it's just mean. It's just it's just fun, mean exploitation cinema on the page, and I adore it. But honestly, the rise and fall of Chairman Dilbert is pretty fucking great. Honestly, it's really it, it's 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 a comedy that works, yeah, right? It really is. It really is. Because I think I think sometimes one of the things is is that um, again in Wagner's ability to to surprise when you start reading the rise and fall of Chairman Dilbert, you're kind of like oh kind of like i know where this is going to go and it's it's going to be like kind of cutesy one-off and then it ends up going on for you know two parts but in part because it earns it you know what i mean and in part part of that is because wagner is really able to get surprising mileage out of you know 
a guy who's basically human furniture and then becomes an art world, not not an art world celebrity, but literally an, a human art object. And yeah, he becomes an art world commodity, which yes. is honestly a very fun way to take that story. Exactly, exactly. And and so it's one of those things where where it's just it's it's witty. It doesn't go on too long, but goes on way longer than you would expect it to be. Um and it just really manages to keep the surprises going. Yeah, it's it's good. And yet part of me is like, but it's not sky sharks ripping a judge apart in the air and then like bits of them falling down into the city below. I swear to God, I'm going to have fucking nightmares about those fucking things all <laughs> over again. All over again. Ugh. But um, so, yeah, yeah, I would say that. And then the pit overall is just a thing of beauty. Um, and I really do feel like this isn't just my broken memory, Graham. Like the previous volume the first part of the pit, like the majority of it, is Ascara, right? Uh, there's a lot of Ascara. I don't know yeah. if it's all Ascara. Okay. Well, no, it's not all, but it's like largely. Whereas this is just, you get a little bit of the Ascara, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, we're going to get going again. And then, like you said, Lee Sullivan is just not, it's he's not. It, Lee Sullivan, yeah, Lee Sullivan does not measure up. Honestly, he doesn't even measure up to Alex. Uh, what's his name? Alex Ronald. Alex Ronald, who frankly yeah. doesn't really work for me that well either. He's kind of Alex Ronald stuff feels really off-brand. Colin McNeil. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, honestly, the thing that I liked most about Alex Ronald is the fact that he, I thought his his hot grot package designs were. Um, pretty fun, and the kind of thing that you're really shocked to see end up in a weekly comic. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of feel like you just don't... It, it felt... it. I just liked it. But yeah, but overall, yeah. It, I think I think Ascara, the second half of the pit, part of me is like, oh man, if this had just been Ascara. And of course, he comes back for sections of Bongo War when it's really in its fucking... Everything's just go you know where the sky's on fire basically and it's just it's great you know yeah he, he of course knows how to do large-scale chaos you know as the master of war comics that you know the other guys just can't even really hold their brushes you know uh, in contrast so yeah good stuff um so but definitely yeah definitely drock for me um, I was going to say, it is clearly Drock, right? Clearly Drock. <laughs> Even though it's uneven, and it's uneven, it's still just good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, it, it's, it's such a strong volume. I think it would be a very different story if there were more magazine in there. Like, oh, pardon me, it's like, yeah. it might just be a really strong volume because there's so much 2000 AD. Right, and 2000 AD is at a strong part, and magazine is clearly well i don't know about clearly but based on those four stories is kind of floundering again there's some bad art choices there's just some bad everything about the magazine and i have no idea if that's really the case or not is screams editor like editor just isn't doesn't have his shit together you know what i mean like there's there's those bad choices like with the captions that aren't being caught there's some like hey i'm gonna solicit this artist 
oh, that was a huge failure. I know, I'll give them another story kind of thing. And uh, yeah, just just not good. And you're right. One thing I do want to say, and this maybe ties into it a little bit, is at one point on Twitter this week, I kind of said, like, there's always a point where I'm reading for for Drock where I'm just fucking exhausted. And even even if it is good stuff, and I mean, this stuff really was. 25 is scattered, but mostly in very strong with some classic and near classic stories in here. And I was still like, Jesus, like, Listeners, for those of you, I feel this was a clever enough analogy to repeat myself. I kind of feel like doing Drock is like the comic book podcasting equivalent of competitive hot dog eating. Like, even like it, even if it's good, which it was, there was a point where I was like, it, there's just too much of it and it's too fast, you know? Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes reading even three to 300 pages of quality dread um, can feel a little daunting. 320 pages of, of quality dread is just, there's always a point where I'm like, oh, I'm going to disappoint Graham and the listeners this week because this is the week where I just die two-thirds of the way. <laughs> yeah, the I just got run. nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so this, this one is, it is, it's a strong volume, but it is interesting how tackling 320 pages in the course of a week and it all being dread can sometimes just feel like I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm just kind of doing some light damage to myself, if nothing else. But, you know, and, and in a way, I wouldn't have realized that if it wasn't for how strong this volume is. Because I think I've been having those feelings at a couple of different points. And honestly, it was when we were dealing with at least half of the the case file being, you know, not quite quality material. You know what I mean? Of like, oh, yeah, there's half a volume of Wagner. Thank God Wagner comes in and saves the day. Exactly. For the rest of it, you just feel tired because you're like, well, it's not good. Yeah, exactly. And and. 25 has so many highlights that I was like, oh, you know what? Like, this kind of takes its toll. Like, we'll see if I actually get smart, but I think what I'm going to do next for the next volume and our next talk is actually start reading a week earlier and see if I can read it in two weeks. And if that gives me a little less of the... um. I have to go lie down in a corner type feeling, you know? It has to be said, doing it in a week is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I have found it easier when I do split it up, but I also tend to then try and reread all of it in the last week. So, but there's something easier about rereading. Or it's that so much be. easier. It's so much easier. Yeah. I, that, might, that might just be me. No, I, I, I mean, it took me four, four and a half days to get through this the first time. And then I more or less reread it in less than half of, like half of an afternoon. You know what I mean? And part of that is kind of like, oh, I can skim. I can jump to the stuff that I was wondering about. I can, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the lay of the land. Um, 
when you first read it and you're first experiencing it, you're like, holy shit, this is a whole thing, you know? So yeah. it's like, ah, that guy's zipper skull is just going to give blah. So, you know. Um, so, yes. So, but definitely Drock. Definitely Drock. And yeah, definitely... And, and, and I would I would say the same as well. Uh, Jeff, yeah. I have something exciting to tell you about next Ooh. time. Tell me, tell me. The June Sarks are back. Oh, are they? Oh, Jesus. Oh, thank God. Okay. That's fabulous. They're back as soon as next volume. That's, oh, uh, um, okay. Don't tell me anymore, but believe me, I was already actually pretty stoked for next volume, just generally, you know, because I think in a way there's something about volume 25 where it's like the pit is like an all time dread classic. And then you read some of the other stuff and you're like, this is pretty goddamn good. You know what I mean? Like, I think that is the other thing that's kind of a shocker to me um, is in a good way is this is one of the first times where I feel like you come off of a high water mark. Well, at least since the earlier Wagner Grant days where you'd have a mega prog where you're like, Jesus, that's amazing. And then they would just go back into, you know, your quote unquote bog standard dread story. And it was also really good, you know? So yeah. yeah, it's it's a good it's a good time to be reading reading the the 2000 ADs. That's for sure. The, the next volume is going to be fun. The next volume, although the next volume also has Mark Miller returning oh. inexplicably. But there you go. I guess you've got to oh. have the rough with the smooth question mark. I, I mean, we've so. already got the magazine, more magazine stories in there. So right. multiple roughs with with some smooths. Yeah, that's net net's time. I do feel and I might be misremembering and people could, could correct me in the comments. I feel that uh within maybe a couple of volumes, Wagner really has a rhythm going in terms of like long term continuity again. Mm-hmm. Uh and is building plots that go plots that actually start in the pit. Um Ooh, is building things things mm-hmm. that, that uh that build and 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 go somewhere and and have an impact again in the way that I think that he was doing in the eighties. I again I won't say that happens around twenty seven or twenty eight, but but people can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. This is the point then I sh- I should wrap things up and say that there's going to be show notes for this episode uh, available on Monday at waitwhatpodcast dot com. Uh, at some point between now and the time frame of city of the damned there will be more posts on instagram.com for slash wait what pod <laughs> and we have a twitter account at wait what podcast jeff has a twitter account at lazy bassett at l-a-z-y-b-e-s-t-i-d i have a twitter account at graham m at g-r-a-e-m-e-m and uh, we're your patreon supporter podcast jeff yes. tell them about it <laughs> indeed um guys we're grateful for you we're so appreciative that is actually something that i sort of mentioned on twitter um which is hilarious because i i basically talked about the kind of the joys of doing this podcast and uh i'm just incredibly grateful for the opportunity to talk with the ever charming ever brilliant graham mcmillan about things and stuff and we managed to continue <laughs> to do that and be inspired to talk about things and stuff in part because you guys listen and drop us notes and send emails in fact i actually have to harangue graham to see if he wrote back to somebody who wrote us um in the last few days uh oh i 
I definitely didn't because I don't even know what you're talking about. Really? So, oh god. Yeah. Okay, let me double check and make sure. I'd hate to think that only went to me. So yes, um, so you guys continue to keep us inspired, and also the people on Patreon who throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh really do take that uh, inspiration and and kick it to the next level. Uh, Literally, in the sense that uh, Baxter Building, our read-through of the first 416 issues of the Fantastic Four, and this very uh, Drakian podcast um, are direct results of Patreon's support. Um, we are continually uh, grateful and in awe of your support and generosity. Want to give a special shout out to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for her continuing support of this podcast, this neck of the galactic realm. I kind of wish she'd been a little more on top of the China satellite situation or, or whatever, but you know, she's busy. She's a she's a busy cat. She's got a lot going on, and it's let's face it, it's a it's a big galaxy. You know, I'm not. I don't hold grudges. Although I, as a homeowner, I, I'm a little sure? more worried. Are you sure, you know the grudges. Uh, well, let's put it this way: if a fucking space station totals my neighborhood, I would. I'd be. I'd be kind of pissed. Be kind of pissed. I admit it. I may not be around to actually be able to express that, but yeah. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. There's a there's a lot of ocean out there. Thank God. Uh, Graham. Uh, we are going to be back in two weeks. Jeff and I literally had a conversation before we recorded this about the scheduling of the next few weeks. Oh, Lord. Uh, because next week, I'm getting my second vaccination. Jeff got his this week, but he's completely fine. But I'm getting mine the day before when we would be recording. Yeah. And it honestly felt like we were risking <laughs> a very weird bad recording yeah. if I had a, a bad reaction to it. So yeah. uh, we're back in... No, we're not even back in two weeks. We're back in three weeks because we have two weeks off. Yeah, we've got two skip weeks off. So, yeah, we have two yeah. skip weeks in a row. Yep. Uh, because there's then travel after that. That's right. So, yes, you're you're going to have to do without us for a while. Uh, but then we're going to be back with a wait wad. And honestly, who knows what's going to have happened to comics in the meantime. Oh, good we can Christ. Yeah. We, can only, we can only hope for good things. Yes, I mean, we can. What we can expect is maybe... Not that, but yeah, maybe not good things. We can hope for good things. Jeff. Yes, I think that's a crucial, a crucial thing. Hope is a thing with feathers. Is the thing with feathers. I think is as Emily Dickinson put it. Uh, so Jeff, yes, you sing us out. I do, I do. Uh, so which would be great. I only wish I could hunt up that Emily Dickinson poem and read it in my Judge Dread voice. But instead, I'll simply say, "Drock, you're under arrest, citizen." Report to the isocubes, and we'll see you in 30. <laughs>